How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the second annual Pure Frequency End of the Year Wrap-Up Movie of the Year debate, which is our first annual. <laughs> it's our second year as a podcast. <laughs> Basically, what we're doing to end the year is we're, George and I are going to pick our top 10 favorite movies. We don't know what each of us picked, and we're going to go from 10 to 1. But before that, we have a couple news stories. We have an email. We have a review. We have a special request on the news. We have a gift to open. We have a lot going on. So let's just jump into it. <laughs> uh, we did get an email from uh, Bailey Hines who says, Hey guys, longtime listener. Keep up the good work. I hope to hear your last year, the nightmare review, and to perhaps play with you. I'm uh, Play with you. I'm with Nick and Riley of Slashing Cast. Oh, yeah. Bailey is a big fan of the show. I appreciate it. He also is a big fan of my YouTube channel. Uh, I haven't played it any last year except for the beta yet. I didn't download it, mm-hmm. but I want to play it. Yeah. I guess he's over at Friends of the Show, Riley and Nick's house. Oh, that's cool. They have like a whole setup for their podcast YouTube channel thing. But thank you, Bailey, for continuing to listen and watch <laughs> all year long. We both really appreciate it. And then we have a new iTunes review, right? Yeah, we have one from Child Sinatra who says, Best podcast out there. Fear Frequency is the best horror podcast IMO. The host, Jimmy and George, really know their stuff. They got you covered on all things horror-related. There's never an episode where I get bored. Highly recommended. Hell yeah. Thanks, dude. We're going to be reading his favorite movie of the year later on. I already know that. <laughs> yeah. So, before we get into like the rankings and stuff, we had a special request from Luke Jaggers to do a news story, <laughs> but we also have another thing to talk about. First, Jordan Peele's Us trailer dropped on Christmas Day, and it looks awesome. So it's starring uh, Lupita Nyong'o, and basically it looks like, I don't know, like a doppelganger monster movie where this family goes on vacation to their vacation home, and then this doppelganger version of them shows up, and they have to kill them. It looks yeah. pretty sweet. I, the way it was billed, I think like that first early plot synopsis we read earlier yeah. said kind of framed it like a home invasion movie. Right. And it seems like there's some more sinister elements going on, some more supernatural stuff than just... Uh, home breaking yeah a lot of the trailer is outdoors i noticed and yeah I like the santa monica pier and stuff and it looked like and like in the middle of the day like a lot of light things happening not when it's in complete darkness which is interesting yeah and pretty unique it looks cool i thought um the rabbits i think what it's going to be is that the doppelganger people are like clones because it's like you know there's a billion rabbits uh-huh. so they're probably testing right. the cloning on them and then they're making these clones of people but they're not perfected, even though they think and act like the real people, and they're just trying to kill them. Or maybe they're trying to test them out to replace people. Right. For their own... Like what we wanted Cam to actually do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I also read a news story about Cam that said they had that filmed, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then they were like, oh, we took it out. We wanted to make it more about the person. So we guessed what we said they should have done, they didn't do on purpose. (laughs) So that's on them. (laughs) But an interesting thing about the Us trailer is that this news story came out. Jordan Peele made Lupita Nyong'o watch Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense before she, I guess, acted in this movie. And those those all seem to line up with what we saw in the trailer. But I really like It Follows being on yeah. that list. I think Funny Games is an interesting inclusion. I think there's going to be maybe a little bit of toying with... Yeah timelines or breaking the i think we mentioned that two weeks ago when we talked about the plot synopsis we were like oh it sounds like funny games <laughs> yeah 
So, uh, that's a, like, these are all pretty good movies. So it seems like, you know, and I can definitely already see a few of these, some of the yeah. themes kind of seeping in through the trailer. So I'm, right. I'm really excited for this movie. Yeah. And it's kind of coming out of nowhere. It's out in March. So we'll see yeah, it pretty soon, soon for the first trailer to drop. Right. You know, just like a few months before it's in theaters. So Blumhouse's first three months are stacked because they have glass in January, which people are usually nervous about horror movies coming out early in the year, but Blumhouse has like put out, um, what's his name? M. Night Shyamalan's movies pretty much in January yeah. and they've all been pretty good. Like and The this, Visit and Split. And this one has a bit more of a media push than yeah, I've seen a definitely. lot of their movies have. So, I don't know. This one they might have a little bit more confidence in. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be good. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, Split was great, so I'm just excited to see M. Night back doing, yeah, dude. doing the good stuff again. So, we're going to blow right through this, because we have a lot to get to this week. <laughs> uh, Luke Jaggers, though, a few weeks ago, I promised him we'd talk about this, because I was super <laughs> pissed about it in the Discord, but we talked about this when it was announced, but basically it was announced that James Wan was attached to produce a reboot of the Resident Evil franchise that was going to be more like Resident Evil 7, it was going to go to the horror roots, but as time has gone on, it's just gotten worse and worse, and it basically looks like they're just starting over on this like franchise that's as shitty as the last one <laughs> so this is these these are the updates on that the director of this resident evil reboot is johannes roberts who's famous for my least favorite movie of last year <laughs> the strangers pray at night 47 meters down and the other side of the door which if you mention that movie to anyone who's seen it a lot of people hate that movie <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i've ever heard a good thing about it uh the writer is greg russo which i don't really have any shit to talk about him but he's writing death note 2 He's writing this Resident Evil movie, a treatment, and he's writing a Mortal Kombat movie reboot. So, uh, we don't know because he hasn't written anything. Right. So it's it would be nice if we got some real, like even Gary Doberman or just anyone who's played the game. Really, this guy he said he's a big fan of the game, but I don't know. It would be nice to have an experienced writer who actually has played the game before working on this. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, writing wasn't really the strong suit of the old ones, right? So you'd think that'd be one thing that you'd want to really yeah beef up if you're going to actually tackle it since Fuck, the, yeah. the story of the games is actually pretty interesting like you know there's a whole shadow government umbrella corporation yeah that's, totally i mean there's like a lot of meat there that you could explore and make really cool they but... can make a really cool european style one with resident evil 4 totally yeah <laughs> but they don't want to <laughs> they they i mean resident evil 7 is a good basis but i think it's just that the talent from the start you're you're starting off like with you're, it's like starting a race with a fucking prosthetic leg <laughs> where everyone else has a norm, normal leg. It's like it's you're you're hampered from the start. Yeah. It's I don't know. Paul W S Anderson's bad, but Johannes Roberts worse in my opinion. <laughs> like at least Paul W S Anderson's directed some good movies. Yeah. But uh, I mean it's debatable on Johannes Roberts, but I don't think he has. He doesn't have really the pedigree that you'd want. And J James Wan's like, bye, I just made a ton oh, yeah. of money off Aquaman, so I'm not putting my name on so this I have pile the of quote, garbage. I have the quote from James Wan on him not producing this. He goes, they announced that I'm attached to a lot of stuff, and a lot of them are not necessarily real. It's kind of annoying when things come and go, or things never came in the first place. I hate it when my projects get announced. It makes it seem like I'm attached to a lot of things, when in fact, I'm not necessarily doing so many things. A lot of my stuff just gets <laughs> announced, and I don't want them to be announced, but people love to announce them. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like he's coming off of Aquaman and everyone's bugging him about this Resident Evil movie and yeah. he's like fuck off because <laughs> he's Australian have you ever heard him talk yeah it's so jarring the first time you hear him and Lee Winnell talk yeah. I never knew that they were Australian I mean you understand it's like the issue we were talking about a couple weeks ago I forget what movie we were saying, but it's like how sometimes they'll just put people's names on projects just because they're. It was for uh, Birthright. How we were saying. Oh, that Bird they, Box. Bird, Bird Box. Bo- or no, not Bird Box. No, Brightburn. Brightburn. <laughs> There's too many B movies. <laughs> Brightburn, where they're saying like from the mind of James Wan. It's like, but he's. Like, oh wait, James Gunn. Yeah, James yeah. Gunn. But it was like, yeah, it's really James Gunn's brother, and like I don't know, if James Gunn's really gonna do anything <laughs> yeah. with it, and. And so, obviously, oh, whatever God. name that has, like, some clout around them is what they want to use, even though he's like, I don't like Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, dude, it's it's just frustrating that we've gone through so many Resident Evil movies that topped out at <laughs> solid. Yeah. Like, they were never great. It's definitely a fun series to watch yeah. because they're so stupid and over the top, but yeah. that doesn't make them good movies. Like, they're a fun watch, but they're not... They lack any kind of substance, really. And after all that, like, years, de- a decade, <laughs> a solid decade of this shit, now, here we are, and we're just starting over with garbage. Yeah. Clean clean garbage slate. It's kind of like, um, I looked at the website of the production company behind it. They're called uh, Constantin Film. They're like a German movie company. So that's obviously why they like Mila Jovovich being in... Right. All this shit, because it's all it's it feels very German, like the mm-hmm. Resident Evil series, like that kind of added up to me. Of course, they just want to do that again because they own the rights. <laughs> so it sucks because I was I watched this video th- from Theme Park History on Halloween Horror Nights, and they did a Resident Evil two and three haunted house separate years, and it seems like Universal was able to figure out what made the game so good. So like it would be great if Universal could figure something out for these movies. Well, it would be cool to kind of. Like the original idea was bringing into more into the horror roots of the right. games instead of them being just like an all out action zombie movie. Since we've gotten so many of those, it'd be cool to actually see something like you know a cop going into yeah right this situation with like very limited resources and having to kind of you know think on their feet and fight this insurmountable task. In a scary movie and a scary movie like. I but now know. it seems like we're getting an action remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it's gonna be. Just like Leatherface. Oh, God damn it. So, that's, that's all the news this week. We don't have a Halloween alert. I didn't even look, just because, I mean, the the DVD, the Blu-ray, and, or digital comes out on the 20th. It comes out in two days. So, there's, there's your Halloween alert. But um, before we move on to segment two, we got a package from our one of our biggest fans uh, across every medium that I'm personally on, and I guess whatever George is on besides podcasting, which I don't know what that is. But uh, Danielle Millian, she sent us this gift, so we're going to open it. Um, It looks like it's a poster, and if anything else was in this tube, I'm sorry, but the mailman, the like one end of the tube was popped off when we got it. So I hope it's just whatever is, is wrapped up in here. Okay, so it looks like... George is opening it, by the way, for the listeners. Oh. Oh, man. What is it? Oh, shit. Two signed Hell House LLC posters. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That is amazing. Holy shit. This is awesome. She's been 
excited to give this to us for months like months this is incredible oh my god i have no idea how you got this but this is amazing dude this thank you so oh much oh my god i'm framing this important. holy crap yeah this is going to my set this <laughs> yeah, is gonna be in sure. all my youtube videos holy shit she sent us two by the way yeah thank you so much this is yeah a great, thanks this is a really happy uh happy christmas way to like set permanently set the bar for fan mail yeah our first our and first only fan, fan mail is like the best I it'll ever be <laughs> Well, shit. That's a that's an incredible Christmas gift. Yeah, thank you. I was not sure what to expect, and this blew all my uh, oh my god. Anything I could have hoped for out of the waters. If you're a new listener, this show basically started with Hell House LLC. It's one of George's and I's favorite movies. Like we even liked Hell House LLC too, just yeah. for the lore <laughs> expansion. So it's basically this movie that took five years to make because the guy. I think Steven Cognetti was like getting funding from his family and like it's a whole crazy story but if you haven't seen it it's on Shutter. both of them are and they're really good movies but this is the coolest gift of all time yeah thank you so much that's the highlight of the episode right <laughs> I would just turn it off now yeah we'll just cancel the rest of it. <laughs> okay so moving on we're gonna hear from Danielle again in just a second because before we get into our top 10 movies of the year, we asked in our listeners' questions section of our Discord, which you should definitely join, um, we asked your guys' favorite movie of the year. So I guess we'll alternate. I'll go first, and then Georgie can go second. Okay. Um, Luke Jaggers, we've mentioned him countless times. He, we just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he says that Hereditary is his favorite movie of the year. Not only in horror, just movie, period. It stands out amongst all other things this year for being incredibly unique and rem- memorable. Rememberable? That's a word. You just made up a <laughs> good word. Now. Yeah. Uh, that... How- how do you how do you like discount someone for picking hereditary? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's on, it is on my list for sure. There was nothing unfactual in this <laughs> review. Good pick, Luke. Uh, our next one is from Mothman Media, who says it's an even split between Hereditary and Suspiria. Hereditary is a film that feels like it will stand the test of time and has plenty of rewatchability, but Suspiria offered an experience unlike anything I've felt in horror in quite a while, hmm. and I agree with that very strongly. Yeah, d- yeah, we both really like Suspiria, so. And I, we both really liked her. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you can't both two great picks. Yeah. I, think, I think on everybody's list, Hereditary is going to be on there. And anybody who's actually able to go see go Suspiria, see Suspiria. probably it's that's on there. Yeah, as well. I'm sure Luke would have said Suspiria maybe if he actually got to see it. But they don't show movies in Indiana. I heard next month we get they the just, Blu-ray. They don't have any movie theaters there. <laughs> They're all wiped out by tornadoes. <laughs> so Callum Wall. Callum Walters. I always I always read it Callum Waters. Yeah. <laughs> Callum Walters, who's always in the Discord, super active. He says, A Quiet Place. It managed to keep people quiet in a cinema, need I say more? But still, just the experience of staying silent and finding yourself holding your breath is a testament to film. Uh, another movie I don't really think you can go wrong yeah. with. It's like with last year, 2017, where Game of the Year stuff happened and no one included Resident Evil 7 because it came out in January. Yeah. I feel like that's a very similar spot that the A Quiet Place is in where everyone's like, that came out this year? There's definitely a few a few movies that I was going back when I was reviewing like what did come out this year. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that, whoa. that did come out like early, yeah. <laughs> early this year. It's been a long year. Yeah, Callum is from somewhere in the UK, and I love reading his messages. Uh, we're drinking, by the way. And uh, we, he he uses the pound sign in the Discord yeah. all the time, and I'm like, yeah, I understand. And so you get to read, this is uh, this is Danielle. Yeah, Danielle, her handle is uh, Midnight Society. She says, Cam, 
The atmosphere of the film is one of my favorite aesthetics. The lighting, decor of her apartment, I love the cinematography. That was another that kept me guessing, like you guys said, on Fear Frequency. After I understood what they are going for, I really liked the hidden detail, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a movie that totally grew on me a lot. The first time I saw it, I was like, eh. And then I saw it a couple more times, and I was like, damn, I really like this. I think it's really good. I, I probably need to rewatch it a few more times. I'm just not super hot on it, but I, I do think the aesthetic is a really, really strong aspect of that movie. I think the harsh <laughs> yeah. neon lighting of everything and the decor and how everything's set up, like set design and everything, is top-notch right can't ask for much better than how that all was for sure yeah i think uh i mean we saw it we were pretty drunk when we saw it the first (laughs) time it was like george me our friend graham who's been on the show and our friend david and it was it was a it was kind of a a crazy theater to be in and everything it was just kind of hectic it was a full house it was a packed little theater in colorado and there was like a it was it's kind of like one of those movies where you want to like laugh at everything you know because it's like ooh, a sex movie yeah uh but I watched it a couple more times at home, and it's it holds up. I, I, I'm i glad I gave it a second chance. And then last up, we have Childish Sinatra, who is another big friend and fan of the show and my YouTube channel. He says, I love revenge because Matilda Ann Ingrid Lutz is so badass in this film. The director, Coralie Fargay, That's probably it. Fargo, <laughs> does not hold back on the blood and gore in this film. The soundtrack score from Rob is absolutely amazing in this film had to get the mondo vinyl of it uh yeah yeah that's a yeah. good movie too that also i forgot came out this year <laughs> when i was looking up my list so can't go wrong there i thought it was pretty crazy it's pretty gory i liked it yeah that's another unique movie it was a good like survivalist you know like woman against the odds right. kind of like um the what is that movie with the where it's like the backwoods oh backcountry um no not that one i'm moving around guys um i don't have a chair the cover is a girl with a knife behind her back and it's a re they did a remake of it and did a sequel to the remake yeah what i can't remember what it's called she has a knife behind her back that's like the cover is like the girl with a knife behind her back she gets like left for dead and then she comes and kills her attackers rosemary's baby no (laughs) <laughs> came out like the 70s i can't believe i'm like i just watched it like uh graves in the title what i think <laughs> oh i spit on your grave i spit on yeah your grave. that's i know what you're talking about that's it yeah they made a bunch of them yeah okay i didn't know they I remade spit on your that. grave i yeah. mix that up with rosemary <laughs> all the time. yeah it is a lot like that it also what do you think has a bloodier conclusion suspiria or that they're both that whole movie is really blood-soaked revenge. Yeah. I mean, like, there's so many scenes of very intense gore in that movie. Mm-hmm. And the practical effects are top-notch. Yeah. And then she, like, burns the Tecate logo. Yeah. On- <laughs> Which, like, wouldn't work, yeah. but it's a cool effect. It's a crazy movie. That was a good <laughs> get for Shudder, in my opinion. Um, and then Ruben, another <laughs> big fan of the show, just says, A Quiet Place is pretty good. I like and that one. And you know what? You can't disagree with that. <laughs> Straight to the point. Can't. I, I did these in, like, from longest to shortest, basically. <laughs> and Adrian Boy 123 says Halloween. One That's word? It. That's all you need. Yeah. So, with that, it's time for George and I to talk about our favorite, our top ten horror movies of the year i guess we could say like our top 10 movies of the year just because we basically only watch horror movies but (laughs) we didn't we didn't want to like expand out of the genre right for this magic episode of our podcast so i'm gonna pull up my list and basically we're just gonna go 
um, from like one or ten to one. Ten to one, and then just alt switch off and. Yeah. So my tenth movie, I'll start, is Unfriended Dark Web. Unfriended Dark Web, made yeah, my number ten. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had a I had a total blast watching this. I absolutely hate the first Unfriended. I think it's overrated as shit and gets free points for like. <laughs> Having like an original yeah. like filming style, and then this one had lost that sigma. Did a lot of fun shit. Was really mean spirited. <laughs> I like that it had different endings you could see in the theater. That is definitely a cool, unique feature yeah. of the movie that you don't see ever. I've never heard of that before or since. <laughs> There's less technical errors than the first one. The characters are much more likable. The humor is better all around. I like the integration of the dark web video game thing. Yeah, the it was all very River believable. Sticks thing. Yeah, the, like dark web, the Chiron or whatever. Yeah, so that that was an easy pick for me. I had a lot of fun watching that. I also did like that movie. I would, if I had like an award for most improved. Yeah, for a series, like a little little ribbon, a, like a little ribbon. They would definitely get most improved because it is a massive step up from the original. Mm. All right, what's your number ten? My number ten is Slice. Oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot about Slice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would have made my list anyway, but why is it your number 10? Um, I, I just think that the... I mean, it's a very cheesy movie. It's kind of more comedy than horror. Yeah. But I just really dug it. I thought that the aesthetic oh, was cool. I thought that it was actually, like, laugh out loud hilarious. Okay. A lot of the jokes really hit for me, and I like... <laughs> I just like that world and those characters yeah. in the movie. I mean, I bought the like hundred dollar jacket, right? <laughs> and I don't know. I just thought that was a cool aesthetic and, and a fun movie for sure. Ah man, if I had remembered that came out this year, <laughs> I would have been like, "This will be on George's list." <laughs> I knew you really liked that one. That's a good tenth tenth place. I think we both have good tenth place picks. Yeah, that one really hit for me though, and I it, it was it, different and original. Yeah, original idea. It is on Amazon Prime. It's on everything. I think. But it's on Prime like for free if you have oh, Prime to shit. watch it. Okay, so if you have uh you haven't seen that this year i highly recommend it okay so my ninth is cam cam yeah which i just talked about <laughs> went from like i was like okay to like <laughs> damn i love this movie when you watch it for a second time and you get over the novelty factor and like the goofiness of some of the aspects of it and read about where the filmmakers were coming from i think it's a really solid movie it actually feels like a bigger budget movie than a lot of blumhouse stuff for sure and it is a it's Blumhouse just like picked it up I guess after a festival which is kind of funny because they didn't even help to produce it but it's one of their best like looking <laughs> right and sounding and even acted movies like Madeline Brewer she did such a good job in that role <laughs> and that's a pretty brave role to take on for, no, like, for sure. one of your first feature films yeah she's got like her titties out for half the movie <laughs> so I don't know I thought that was a very easy ninth pick I was struggling to put that tenth or unfriended. But I think I like Cam more than Unfriended. Cam gets a bonus because I saw it more recently. Get a little bit recency bias on Yeah, I'm there. like thinking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I only wa- I, I never had the urge to go see Unfriended Dark Web mm-hmm. again. But I was like, I need to watch Cam again. Yeah. I mean, I, we did just talk about it. But I think cinematography is top notch yeah. in that movie. It has a great aesthetic, original idea. I think if you haven't seen it, check it out. Give it a watch. Uh, my number nine is You Might Be the Killer. Oh, which we fuck. saw at Telluride, which is that's such a good movie uh, from director Brett Simmons, his new camp slasher movie. Yeah, dude. And uh, this is a must-watch if you haven't seen it. If if you're into any, you've ever seen a Friday the Thirteenth movie, you like any Friday the Thirteenth movie yeah. even a little bit, go watch this. You've ever seen Sleepaway Camp, you like any kind of camp yeah, Sleepaway slasher, Camp, you have to see this movie. Yeah, dude, it fits right in there. I actually I have it on my list. I ranked it higher, but. 
so that's that's my uh well i'll talk about what i think about it you just keep talking about what you think we'll do it when we get to mine i, I thought that like the the big things i liked were they had like really fun cool interesting characters even kind of throwaway gags that they weren't even a huge part of the movie like uh steve the kayak king it was just like such a cool, fun, yeah, Steve the like a hilarious little joke that was just like super fun throughout the movie, and the kills were amazing. I mean, the practical effects on there. I I think I have a little bit of bias on this movie since we sat and talked to the director for a while. We yeah. were at Teller and he was a super cool guy. But, but this is just like our subjective is, top ten list, so who cares? Yeah, I mean, I think it was actually a really great movie. And yeah, it's one of the best modern camp slasher movies I've seen. Okay, we'll talk about what I think about it when we get to my. Because right. <laughs> that that's how we should do it, right? Yeah. Because it it is on Shutter, so if you have Shutter, yeah, I really liked it. I think if you have Shutter, and most of the people who listen to this should have Shutter, uh, go check out. You yeah. might be the killer. Okay, so my eighth spot goes to Overlord, which <laughs> is a recent movie. Uh, I really liked Overlord. I wasn't expecting to love it, especially after the Cloverfield Paradox was a huge piece of shit. <laughs> and, but Overlord really, the only thing I think it could have used is a bigger budget. And I feel like it totally deserved it and like actual marketing. So people would have gone <laughs> to go see it. Cause that movie was sick. It was just a really good, you know, Nazi zombies movie come to life. It had a really good lighthearted tone, a lot of good gore, a great cast, great script. Just everything about it really came together in a way that I really wasn't expecting. And I feel like, it came together in a way that everyone wasn't expecting because nobody saw it. <laughs> it's funny because Overlord is also my number eight. Oh, hell so. yeah. We just keep talking. <laughs> I was like, it has to be on here somewhere. And eight, in my mind, is just like great. Yeah. So it's just like you, you fit in right there. No, I, I thought it was great. I think that the plot for being kind of like over the top yeah. really fit better than it had any right to. Yeah, it totally. came together in a way that w- I didn't expect it to be so cohesive. And right be such an interesting like thing to follow the entire time and they had the giant nazi castle and there was you know i mean i think it was it was definitely marketed a lot like um the wolfenstein games right and it it fits that vibe totally you could see them changing around a few character names and making this like a side arc in a wolfenstein game everything was calling it like a nazi zombie movie and it's like it's nothing (laughs) like call of duty nazi zombies (laughs) that's just like a defend your house from countless zombies yeah there's only like two or three in the actual movie and which is a big problem with that i think that's its biggest problem is that uh there's like two zombies and they get killed by a flamethrower yeah and then there's a cool fight at the end with Kurt Russell's kid, though. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, the, like, my one big gripe with it is, like, the villain's almost too over-the-top evil. He's, like, wacky. Yeah, he's, like, wacky, <laughs> pure evil. They probably pick Nazis, though, because it's, like, you don't have to put a ceiling on that. Right. <laughs> they can just, just keep going yeah. evil, like, as evil as possible. And and it did fit, though. Like, as, as over-the-top as it was, yeah. it fits in this world of crazy Nazi scientists yeah. and these, you know, crazy experiments and this little town i mean it was cool that it was like a contained movie right and it, the plot was very simple and they spent all their money on dope set pieces and, and the cool effects, effects which were great dude yeah the explosions and everything they were better than a lot of like bigger budget yeah <laughs> it was just all around great 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 main cast of characters like that whole french village thing was really cool so i don't know i love that movie that that easily earned a spot on my list and if you haven't seen it you definitely should. I feel like this will become a cult classic. It's definitely a shame it didn't get the numbers to go out and see it in theaters right. that it deserved, because it's better than... I don't even think it broke even. No. I mean, but it's a totally... I mean, it's not 100% original, but it's a fresh take on the, like, Nazi 
you know, soldier movie that we haven't seen in a while. I mean, it, it it's an original movie. It's got great action, great yeah. cast. I mean, there's really not much to complain about it, but just nobody went and saw it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to buy it when it comes out. I just, I was really into that movie. And because J.J. Abrams produced it, it's not like anyone who worked on it is never going to work again. Right. You know, like, everyone who worked on it will be fine. And it w- I'm glad it wasn't a Cloverfield thing. I'm glad it was its own thing. And they didn't really set it up for a sequel, because it's just, like, at the end, it's all destroyed. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, there's still Nazis out there, but, like... But that's, that's cool that yeah. they decided to stick to, we have this kind of small-scale story with these characters. We're not going to try to... Yeah, exactly. We're not jumping the shark. We're going to keep it all contained make sure you understand what's going on build up these characters and just kind of do the best best movie on a smaller scale which worked in this case yeah it paid off big time so that's my number eight in your number eight yeah <laughs> so my coincidentally no- my number seven is suspiria and i know you probably have that on your list a lot higher yes but uh is it was like I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I was like, this definitely belongs on my list, but I think it just fell victim to me liking a bunch of other movies <laughs> way more than it this year, but it is fucking awesome. Like, it's a 10 out of 10 for sure yeah. to me. I just like... It was a I big... It was a really huge year. I don't understand why it was called Suspiria. It was like, it's. it was definitely its own thing. Like, the more when I watched it, I was like, I can see that this is in the same realm and using similar names and characters to Suspiria, but I feel like if... If they really wanted to, they could have made this its own movie. I agree. And but I think it overtook this movie that is really good. But I feel like the original Suspiria over the years with you know like how the internet works where everyone wants to seem cool. Yeah. You're like, oh, you haven't seen Suspiria? Well, right. let me tell you about it. It definitely has that hipster yeah. quality to so it. So it overtook that vibe by being just a genuinely incredible movie, which I thought was really cool. And. Uh, they didn't have to resort to marketing it as like the most divisive movie of the year, which I really liked. Mm. The effects were great. The ending is like batshit insane, <laughs> but it fits the tone of the movie. And I really like the dark humor in it. Yeah, um, it is much higher on my list, so I'll I'll save it for when I get there. But I do I really enjoyed this movie. Okay, cool. We'll talk about it more in a minute. <laughs> um, my number seven is Unsane. Oh, that didn't make my list, but I really wanted it to. I, like, had it on there, and I kept, like, moving it around and shuffling it, and I was like, fuck, I just gotta take it off. This is one of the movies that I was talking about earlier where I looked through what came out this year, and I was like, holy shit, Unsane came out this year? Well, it kind of came and went. It was just, like, it was barely in any theaters. It wasn't like they released it on VOD very quickly. They were just like, well, here it is. Yeah. But it was great. But it didn't get much fanfare. Like, no one really no. talked about it. No one, It's like, it came out, no one even said that they knew what the movie was. <laughs> right. like, it, it, it disappeared like, so quickly, and I was what the surprised fuck? by that. But I thought this was actually a really interesting movie. I, I think that it's kind of betrayed by the trailer. The trailer presents it as something very different from what the movie is. And it gives away so much of the movie. So I'd say, if you haven't seen it, you don't know what it is, don't watch the trailer, just pick it up. I'm not sure right. if it's streaming on anything might be on like amazon prime i think i've seen it on prime but um, a couple times i think it might even be on shutter or something but it's just a really smart um movie with a awesome female lead 
Yeah. I forget the actress's name at the time. Claire right Foy. now. But she was amazing. She's she was, in uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Yeah. I, I mean, for a movie that is so much depending on a lot of just shots of her. Yeah. And, like, on situation an she's in on an iPhone. Where it's, like, a close-up like, of your face. And it's just mostly, like, the dialogue of one character over anybody else. Right. You have to be very <laughs> competent in what you're doing to sell a movie like that. Yeah, like, Steven Soderbergh... He catches a lot of flack for, like, oh, I'm only going to use red cameras from now on. These are incredible. And then he's like, oh, I'm only going to use iPhones from now on. It's, But I think he genuinely, he, like, did it. Yeah. He, like, used an iPhone successfully in this movie. There are weird technical things that, like, kind of were like, eh, but it never really got bad. No, and honestly, I, I mean, that's kind of like a gimmicky thing that I think if you were to watch it and you didn't know it was filmed on an iPhone, you wouldn't know. Right. But I think... The interior of that hospital is so creepy. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't know, even know this is a horror movie. Well, it, it was sold as kind of like a psychological thriller. Boo. And it is, in a sense, but right. there's like a but very real danger and a great cast of characters, a really compelling story with great pacing and a really strong female lead. So if you haven't seen this, highly recommend it. Yeah, and I almost said that Claire Foy had like a homely look to her, but not in like the actual sense of the homely word. It was just like, compared to an actress, you know, in a, in she a looks, movie, she just looks like a person. Like natural. It was like just like real. weird. Yeah. Because she's in the crown and she's playing the queen and you're like, fuck, she's really hot. <laughs> and you see her in this and you're like, she's really hot, but she just looks like a different person. Right. It's bizarre. They really like grounded her in a sense with like all the characters seem, characters and sets and everything feel very real. Yeah. I agree. That's a great movie. Yeah. The only, and, and then they brought back the, the guy from Blair Witch. Yeah. It was the bad guy. The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Not Blair Witch. That was really cool. I really like that. First time seeing him in a while. He was actually really good, too. Yeah. So. Good villain. Yeah, they sold it as, like, oh, is she crazy or not? Yeah. But that, like, isn't really a question if you've seen five minutes of the movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's not crazy. Yeah. And then it's really, like, a fight or flight movie. And I think... I don't know if I would have liked it better the other way, but I think it works very well. No, I liked it how it was. That was was fine with me. Yeah. All right, so number six is on my list, Upgrade from Lee Whannell, writer-director. He basically teamed up with Blumhouse for this to make a new RoboCop movie and a better Venom movie, which I really like a lot. I thought this movie was fucking awesome. Yeah. This movie was better than... (laughs) <laughs> like the plot of Venom, it, it took that idea of a person who, you know, gets these enhancements and becomes larger than life, bigger than what they should be. Yeah. But it worked in like a way that it really shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't have. And it has did. a really mean spirited ending, probably like a good twist at the end on the same level as their first big feature saw. Yeah. And it's cool to see Lee Winnell branching out. Hopefully he can get a massive, budget blockbuster <laughs> under his belt like his boy james wan yeah this is also my, my number six <laughs> shit but uh i think for there being like a kind of a smaller budget movie it doesn't show its budget at right. all there's a lot of like car chase scenes that are you know big spectacles where these like very futuristic things and they yeah have, totally like, all this future tech that you would assume would take a larger budget to kind of show this they have i mean they have like a, like the houses all look very yeah, you, you know, unreal and the amenities futuristic. are crazy. The cars are cool, the, but then there's like bars where you can't use tech or whatever. I thought that was really sweet. And they worked in some cool, like, other ideas for like futuristic. You know, there's like the guy that'll take out your implants or make you look untrackable by the government. And so there's like the CD mm-hmm. bar with like the cyborgs in there. And also the fight scenes are amazing. I mean, there's a guy. Some of the like weird 
tech implants these people get is like one guy has a shotgun in his arm where he can shoot you in the face like with his hand okay and and there's just like really cool tech upgrade stuff in there that you wouldn't expect that are used in like a more creative way yeah i just and like yeah his fight choreography was great yeah way better than you would expect from the guy who's written all the insidious (laughs) movies you know Mm -hmm. i just i really want to see his career branch out more I don't think Upgrade did as well as it should have or as good as either of them wanted it to. But for a movie that spread entirely by word of mouth, I think it did pretty well. Yeah, I thought it was a really... (laughs) Another one of the movies, like, Unsane, where it kind of came and went and no one talked about it. But I thought it was actually a really strong entry. It's one of my favorites of the year. I thought it was just a really cool, fun movie that I'm upset that no one really talked about it. Yeah, it's so good. So if you haven't seen Upgrade, go buy it. Don't, like, don't stream it. Just go buy it. So they eventually put out a 4K Blu-ray, because I really want one. Because it was a really good movie. So um, we matched up there. So my number five is You Might Be the Killer. You already talked about this, so I'll just kind of brush over it. But again, I thought it was, I think this movie is a lot better than Ruin Me. Uh, which is the first movie we ever talked about on the show. It does everything pretty much that Rumi was trying to do, but better, and without being cliche. It manages to be funny. It's well acted. The, it does some really cool things to subvert stereotypes of the genre. I mean, if you've, it, it fits in as a Friday the 13th movie on top of that. Like, it, it didn't make the mistake of resting on the fact that it's kind of a parody. It made its own thing and did it really well. And I liked the whole phone call being the entire thing. Yeah. Which, There's a cool through line and it's told asymmetrically in an interesting way where like it starts with the sixth kill and then it yeah. works back and forth throughout the timeline. And I'd love to go through and see how well it lines up because apparently so, if you guys don't know the story, <laughs> this movie was shot, edited, done in a, f- a month or two. Like it was yeah, a really quick like turnaround. within a few weeks. And the first time anyone who worked on it saw it in completion was at the first screening, I think at South by Southwest. So they the director, Brian Simmons, he actually noticed like a continuity error error in it and they had to go back in and change it. They're like, no, that's just the wrong number yeah. of kills. And I like the out of order pacing of it and especially considering how quickly it was made, it's incredible that they could wrap their minds around that. And also it has a title or a credit song, an yeah. original credit song that's actually really good. Yeah. Like I listen to it all the time. So this movie for... It had everything going against it and it managed to be incredible. Because it's like... It could have easily just been like a cliched movie that you know it wouldn't have stood out as anything special at all right but they they use both like a really strong writing good comedic timing great jokes and good kills fun characters and an actual interesting plot yeah so what's your number five my number five is annihilation oh shit that was one that again almost made my list <laughs> and i think i ruined it for myself by ta- doing too many youtube videos <laughs> on it Annihilation's great yeah um it's definitely a lot to unpack. It's a movie that has a lot of ideas. And I I think that just basically having a lot of ideas and pushing the envelope and kind of trying out all these really weird things is yeah. something that deserves a lot of credit. <laughs> like, yeah. should be held in, like, a high regard. Totally. And I think this movie had a lot of really interesting, cool, unique ideas. I mean, some of the effects, I think, weren't great. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the effects, they did look a little thrown together. For sure. Uh, occasionally there were some effects, um, but then there's, like, the bear in the, the last act of the movie perfect. that looks amazing and is, like, genuinely still a really creepy icon. I the- wish that... 
since nobody watched this movie, I wish they could take that bear <laughs> and just reuse the asset like they do with the the, the abominable snowman and goosebumps. How that's the mod- <laughs> CGI model for the rampage, for rampage monkey. <laughs> Like, just do that. That bear is too good. Not that Annihilation was bad. Annihilation was great enough to make it on your list. But it's, that bear was too good of a concept to be not seen by everyone. Well, the thing is, like, it was it's used in one scene, but it's so... It captivates you the entire time. And it's the it's not the only takeaway, but it's one of the biggest takeaways from the movie. Yeah. Is this weird... And, I mean, that's a, definitely a theme throughout the movie of, like, these weird hybrid creatures. And that's kind of, like, yeah. what's going on in the world. It, it definitely is... A movie that you kind of have to watch it and go home and think about it. Maybe watch it again. It's weird that Paramount was like, no, we're only putting this in theaters in the U.S. It's on Netflix overseas. But then they fucking put out, like, what's that, what's that movie? Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. And then they're like, Overlord. They'll just throw that in the theaters. <laughs> if they put Overlord, they if they did with Overlord what they yeah. did with Cloverfield and flipped those movies, I think Overlord would be one of the most talked about movies of the year. Probably. Genuinely. Yeah. But shit, yeah, dude. But I thought it was just a really a strong story, interesting strong concepts, leads. really strong leads, great acting, cool environments, original set designs. Badass female characters. Badass female characters. Like the, the leader of the group, I forget who plays her, but her accent was just so cool. Yeah. Just the way she talked. Damn, that was sweet. Natalie yeah. Portman making her big comeback. Yeah, I mean, it was just a really strong performance by everybody in the movie, and it was one of my favorite movies of the year. I just think it's a really cool concept and a unique original idea. Okay, so now we're down to the top four, which is, like, the crazy ones. Yep. It's weird, because we're going from ten to one, so we (laughs) keep thinking we're in the wrong spot. So my fourth place is A Quiet Place. That's also my fourth place. Because I know what our our next three are going to line up perfectly. I mean, like, you're going to have Suspiria in there. Like, we know what the top three are going to be, but we don't know the order. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, everyone knows what my number one is going to be. But I put A Quiet Place here just because... You know, who expects John Krasinski to be like, oh, I'm going to make a horror movie? Yeah. And it's fucking incredible. Like, they went through everything right they had to go through to get that movie to be scary. It's a really good, well-told family tale. I don't understand why people are just so... Like, some people are just so mad about this movie <laughs> that it even exists. And they're like, fuck this movie. It's not scary. It's dumb. But it is scary. Yeah. It's genuinely tense and, like, pretty good throughout. No, it's got great pacing. A cool, unique, new monster. That's, even though it's all CGI, looks amazing. Looks, like, it looks genuinely yeah, good. it looks really good. I mean, it did this idea that I know, like, Bird Box just did it, and people really hate when you make that people comparison. Are, oh, Bird Box, <laughs> you copied A Quiet Place, but apparently but really, Bird Box, Bird Box, is Box was book. A, a book before. <laughs> yeah. And so it takes some concepts from, like, that of, you know, a monster that if you can't see it, it can't see you or if it right. doesn't hear you. You know, it's that idea of, like, <laughs> yeah. there's some kind of... I mean, of, I feel bad for Bird Box. Yeah. That fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're different. Yeah, they're different movies. I mean, same kind of weakness of the monster, um, but... The idea is still like, you know, these people have to be, they have to change their entire lives around this yeah. obstacle or else they're going to die. And that's just like a really tense, yeah. and they explore that really well with like John Krasinski's wife being pregnant. That's like, well, how are you going to deal with yeah. both having a newborn baby and like delivering but a like, baby? Yeah, and that's believable because it's like, I mean, it's the apocalypse. Yeah. He should have got condoms or whatever, or birth control, because they keep raiding this pharmacy. But it's not like you're going to stop banging Emily Blunt <laughs> in the apocalypse. Like, damn, dude, you got this. T- like, how lucky is he? Though? Like, you know, like every movie on Earth, it's like oh, it's like always a single guy when there's the yeah. apocalypse and he's going out and he meets some like 
like you know last man on earth he goes and meets christian shawl yeah. <laughs> but it's like john krasinski's starting the shit out it's like you know he wants to protect emily blunt right. he's like i'm about to do anything to protect this. <laughs> he's like whatever <laughs> i like the deaf daughter she no, was cool. she's cool i mean there's definitely a lot of interesting concepts glad they were smart and got a deaf actress yeah and uh, there's even a few cool set pieces like near the end with the fireworks and drowning in corn drowning terrifying. in corn terrifying i mean i was surprised she didn't drown in the corn yeah the whole uh farmhouse looked great like the sets all looked yeah. good um good acting and, from kids yeah and it's like, another one of those God. movies that i think is smart to be very self-contained where it's kind of on a small scale you follow just this family of like five characters the whole movie yeah and they don't try to do too much with it there's an obstacle there's a very clear yeah totally. objective and it's just kind of watching these people deal with their every day which is hellish and the pacing is good enough to where there's like weirder plot holes where you're like dang it but you don't notice them yeah i don't know something like my third viewing yeah it's a really really strong uh movie that came out this year though one of my favorites for sure all right so that's our number four number three for me I think number I think number three for me will piss listeners off when they hear my number two, but my number three is hereditary. My number three is also hereditary. <laughs> so I'm curious what your number what your two, two is, is gonna be because you know what my one is. <laughs> I don't think you'll guess my number two. But like, how, what what isn't there to say about hereditary that's already been said? It's like this dude Ari Aster is coming out of the gate with literally. You know when people throw around the scariest movie since The Exorcist? Yeah, I feel like this one is because it, it hits the same tones. It, like, modernized The Exorcist, Definitely. basically. It took out the whole Christian angle, because that's not relevant to a lot of people anymore. Yeah. It added in this whole cult narrative that's incredible. It totally rewards you for more than one viewing. Like, I went through that movie again for a video, and just, it tells you everything that's going to happen in the movie within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It's like, here's what's going to happen. And you're like, holy shit, if I was paying attention, I want to know if I could have figured that out, but I th- it's one of those movies... Where it makes you think if you were paying attention, you could figure it out, but there's no way you could have right. until you see how it ends. It looks really good. It's got a really cool conceit. Like, it, it's, I think it's as good, if not better, than Get Out. Like, I it, feel like it, it, it hits all the same tones and vibes, except for the social commentary. Yeah. But as a, it, it, it straddles the line of film and watchable movie so well. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has. I mean, just the, you know, building, like, their own cult, using actual occult words in the movie, actually building out this whole, like, very smart yeah. narrative, where you're dropping hints through the whole thing, everything is, like, a very measured, like, very, totally. <laughs> like, everything is deliberate in the movie. God damn. I mean, it just has, it's so, it's like a master craft in the way that it's, like, everything is placed so perfectly, like, when Tony Collette's putting things in the diagram, you know, in the, like, the little right, dioramas, right. I mean, that's, like basically what the what the filmmaker is doing is like i'm gonna put this in this scene and this and this. like everything feels very deliberate and like measured. that's something that didn't have to be in the movie right that whole like building all these intricate models and right. making that her job but there's like all this deep symbolism to right. everything in the movie and it, they went through the effort to make the people in the movie people like they felt like people and i like the dad a lot you really feel bad for the dad yeah i like the marketing how it tricks you and the thing in charlie's the main character right and she's really not at all. It's like basically she's just this like fucked up experiment, <laughs> and that's why like she has the deformities is because she has someone else's soul in her that doesn't fit. Yeah, it it's crazy. You guys like, I mean, watch my video. But if you don't want to watch a video, you can read it. Just Google like hereditary analysis. But that that was like easily my number three. So I want to know your number two. You can go first with this. <laughs> 
My number two is Halloween 2018. <sighs> That's your number two? <laughs> okay. Well, you talk about Halloween then, and I'll talk about Halloween after my number two. <laughs> uh, Halloween 2018 is my number two. It's a movie that delivers better than any, like, obviously, like, everything leading up to it was cool. I mean, everything we heard. Yeah. We followed this movie for months. Yeah. Collecting every news story, talking about it, watching all the trailers, doing all that. Just all this buildup where it was like, this looks like this sounds too good to be true. This right. sounds like this is going to be awesome, but I don't want to get my hopes up because, like, 90% of Halloween sequels suck. So, like, I don't want to be too hopeful for it. And then they delivered. I mean, this movie is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It come, brings Michael back to being scary. Yeah. I mean, there's great characters again. Jamie Lee hits it out of the park as... Nailed it. ...as old Laurie Strode. I mean, like, everything in this movie just really hit for me. There's great kills. Michael Myers is just awesome. A real formidable entity in the movie. Fucking scary again. Really, like, legitimately scary. Um, I think it's the best sequel. Yeah. To Halloween, it does a justice to the original. It's got that soundtrack that just kicks. I mean, yeah. that original John Carpenter score that we haven't heard in a while is just like in full effect, man. He hasn't missed a beat, dude. Like, <laughs> I keep almost like giving my opinion, but I have to talk about that for a number one. Yeah, how do you not include Halloween somewhere? That's crazy. So Suspiria is your number one. I thought it was either going to be Halloween or Suspiria, so, yeah. but I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> um, so my number two is The Endless remember that oh yeah the endless i was like i knew about this i was like all year i was like oh i'm gonna do the endless it's gonna be really high on my list this movie is nuts it's like an alien movie a lovecraftian movie movie. lovecraftian (laughs) movie done on a tiny budget but done really well it's also like the first low budget uh with a cinematic universe universe yeah (laughs) they already shot the follow-up that's coming soon I'm really excited for that. But it's just a really cool tale. It's a cult movie, too. Yeah. Which, it, I, if you want to take a cult movie, that's how you do it perfectly. Like, it was, it's a cult that believes, basically, in this Lovecraftian alien. And the alien delivers for them. Like, it keeps them alive. They just have to restart by going back in time constantly. But they have a metric in how they're able to track that. And the way they add new people is really smart. Like, these guys thought about everything with this movie... They worked really well with their budget and kind of exceeded their budget. For sure. By matching plot points with this movie, with the movie that came before it. Yeah. And characters coming in and stuff. Which is something they didn't have to include. But, right. like, worked around this movie that is technically previous in the timeline. Worked this whole different movie into yeah. it in, like, a way that's so seamless. Like, you don't even need to see the first movie to understand it. Yeah. But it's just, like, like you read articles you're like, what? That's his own movie? Like, that's crazy. And so they just have, like, all these cool... I love the little, like, Jonestown-esque town oh, that yeah, like, their the brewery. whole cult lives in. It's like, oh, yeah, you if you had a brewery like that, you would be fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's crazy. And that works in with the whole time travel thing, too. It's Plus, like, I love anything Lovecraft, and they do some cool stuff with, like, two moons in the sky yeah. and all this, like, crazy, like... And the acting is largely good. The flashbacks are, like, really good. It, just, it looks great. That movie should have gotten a wide theatrical release, and I feel like just no one watched it. I feel like no one talked about it at all. No, and it's, I think it seriously still has 100% on Tomatoes with, like, a lot of reviews. Yeah. So that that's my number two, for sure. So, um, we can flip it again. I'll give people a minute till they hear about Halloween. So why is Suspiria <laughs> your number one? So I think Suspiria is my number one just because it is super ambitious in the way that it is... It's a remake of a pretty beloved classic I'd say horror movie. Like, beloved? You don't yeah. have to say pretty. <laughs> like, a beloved horror movie made by one of the greatest Italian filmmakers ever <laughs> to, to ever have lived. And it 
exceeds the first movie. It's a remake that's better than the original. That's a beloved it's original. It's without a doubt better than the original. <laughs> like, I, I do think that the original is a masterpiece. I think that it's yeah. visually probably the most interesting movie I ever saw in my life. You have to look at the intent of the filmmaker. Yeah. And I feel like what he set out to do, he achieved. For sure. Yeah. But this time around, the guy made an infinitely more watchable movie that manages to, like, set itself apart from the original and be its own thing. I just thought that, like... Like, like with Hereditary, everything feels very, like, thought out and measured, and they put a lot of effort into it. The right. dance choreography is, like, you know, they didn't have to put all that effort into, yeah. like, making the dances cool, but then they work that into the story, where the the dances are part of the ritual for the witches. And they and, don't even know. And, and they don't even know it, and it builds on itself. The pacing is awesome, and I, I don't really want to spoil anything if no one's seen it, but, like, it's just... It, you know, it's set up an axe so you can follow it easier. And, right. And the axe kind of give you a little bit of foresight the and what you should be looking for. And, and it tells you what's going to happen. And six acts is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, okay. Dakota Johnson is amazing in it. I mean, yeah. she is a really, really strong lead. Uh, Tilda Swinton didn't need to play, like, four parts in the movie, but... <laughs> yeah, she did a good enough job at it. Yeah, like, I don't think it... it bugged me, but, like, I don't not think enough it, to detract from the movie. I don't think it hurts it in any way. I think, like, there's no reason for it, but it's not... A negative yeah totally which is good <laughs> yeah uh you know it's good not to not to distract with that but I, I don't know the aesthetic is so cool where it's like all washed out like berlin germany yeah and the, the dance school like you know it looks like an old school you, you get know, the context you clues. get you get those cool like over the radio you hear about you the know berlin wall on. falling like it, it it incorporates both the history of what's going on with this like creepy dance school that's been there for so long and the final act is insane, as you're saying. I mean, it's just... It's hilarious. It, it culminates in like, this, it's like... it's funny. I mean, it just is, like... It's so ridiculous. Like, what even is this? It's like, the movie knows that it was never going to top the build-up that it had. So it just made the, the last scene hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's just gratuitous and over-the-top and, like... You know, it's very Italian. It's like, how do you go from Call Me By Your Name to this? You know? know? Like, it's insane. And... I don't know. I, I mean, like, I'm assuming it did well monetarily financially well that's it's like first because it had that early release and like yeah that staggered film release was so stupid they had that early i think it was like san francisco new york right and it was like did insane like it, it, it i saw it before that i saw it in la at a screening and then it came out in la and new york and it did like crazy and then it came out after that and it did okay well i think it probably did okay in the theaters it was showing, but it had, like, a very limited theatrical release. Right. Because some people, like, Luke wasn't able to see it in the theaters. It kept getting added to more screens, like, every week. So, I feel like it would have made more money if they just treated it like a fucking movie. Yeah. You know, like, because there was nothing about it that felt cheaper than a theatrical film. No. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't, like, it, it looks like a very high budget... I mean, it, it's a timepiece because it takes place in, like, the 60s and berlin but i i mean it doesn't show that it's like a cheap set right. like all the sets look good costume design's amazing um i mean like it uses a very muted like color palette that i think color palette is great it's is very awesome. fall yeah all the stuff in america with her amish family really and, like, cool yeah looked really good it was distinctly different uh i liked the whole plot with the doctor a lot like I, that was the kind of its own movie to me like yeah, his with the, the psychiatrist where he's kind of trying to piece everything together. And yeah. Chloe this, Grace Moretz shows up to him in, like, the beginning of the movie, and she's talking about, you know, these things she's seeing. I'm and glad the, she wasn't in it as more than she was, because <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't think she's, she's very great. divisive. I think a lot of people either like her or they don't like yeah. her. But um, I thought, like, the scenes that she was in, she did well in. Um, it, it was cool to see, like, you know, there's a lot of moving parts with 
Dakota Johnson's family. Yeah. She's, you know, she's building up. Then you have like the witches. What are they planning? And then you have this therapist who's trying to put stuff together. You get all these context clues of like the very volatile state that right. the country that they're living in is in. I just thought it was like everything was done so incredibly well and it was so ambitious that I just think that that deserves a lot of praise. Yeah, the original and this is superior are two movies that I saw this year for the first time relatively close to each other. And I remember significantly more about the plot of the new one. Like I wrote down my review of the new one right after I saw it and I didn't record it for like a month because I, I remember I saw it in September and I wasn't allowed to review it until sometime in November. And so I wrote down my review bullet points, but I was it was wasn't even hard to remember it when I went to review it later. Yeah, it's still it's a very memorable movie. The scenes that all, all stick in your head, and I think that is due partially to the acts being broken up the way they are. Where you can kind yeah. of think, you can compartmentalize the movie and think about, oh yeah, this happened and this happened. Right. And I don't know. I just thought it was all done like really well. I was, I mean, kind of apprehensive because I was like, how is this going to surpass the original? And it did. Oh, it totally. Did. In like almost every aspect. So I think that deserves a lot of praise to like come out as a remake yeah. of this beloved classic and then be better than it. Yeah. And I like, I felt bad for a second putting it so low on my list, but then it's like, there's so many good horror movies that came out this year. Yeah. Like, it was definitely super it, stacked. And my top 10 was like, and I saw a lot more movies this year than I ever have. Like I went to some, some weird ass screenings. That I just never talked mm-hmm. about and like to Suspiria is really high ranked. There's like there's no contest there for that being your number one. I don't think. I don't yeah. think anyone can really argue with that. <laughs> right. But of course, my number one is Halloween. How is it not? That movie. So I feel like the, re- the everything aside, the whole reason that movie works so well for me is because it transcended the fact that it was an event. It became a movie. Like it, at the end of the day, it was still a movie. It wasn't just like it didn't rest on the fact that it was bringing Michael Myers back after X number of years or like a true sequel to the original 40 years later. It, it had all that marketing, like, you know, Laurie Strode's final confrontation, but it never, it always, it was, like at every turn, it felt like it was more than that. It was I like agree. I mean, there's a lot to it where like making Michael, you know, they distress the mask and they make him brutal again. Got the mask. Perfect. Got the mask. Perfect. Which is like somehow impossible. No other movies made him. So yeah, let's just set the record straight here for a second. A lot of people don't still don't understand this. I get comments all the time, but people think maybe because of the marketing or they just didn't understand, but they think that Michael was hunting down Lori and that makes him supernatural, but he's not. It's the only, the movie the biggest plot point people hate is Sartain, right? Yeah. But, but you, Which is the weakest part of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it is the weakest part of the movie. I don't know how they could have did, done it differently, though, by no. keeping the mythology of Michael Myers. Because Michael Myers, he's going... It's He's a random psychopath. He just enjoys killing, and that's what makes him scary. And the only reason they got rid of Halloween 2 is because if Michael Myers is only going after people in the Strode bloodline and their direct friends and relatives, you're never going to get killed by him, and therefore he's no longer scary. So what they did was they right, took it back. He's not going to care about Joe Schmo down the street. Right, he doesn't all he care cares about, about you. Is Lori. So they took it back and made it so he's a psychopath who just broke out because he had help from Sartain, was able to roam free in Haddonfield, rack up the biggest body count ever. It's insanely high. Then he's put in the path of Lori, and she's the next thing to kill after those two cops. I thought it was cool how they bring back they bring Sartain as kind of. Like, you think he might almost be, like, the Loomis replacement. It's like, oh, great, yeah. You're like, oh, great. Like, they're going to replace Loomis with, like, this other old guy with, like, yeah. bald with a beard. and then, But then he's, like, 
the Nega Loomis. Like, he does the exact opposite of what Loomis would do. <laughs> He's like, let and him he has, free. like, the exact opposite ideology. Yeah. So that was cool that they, like, subvert expectations in that way. They totally did. It was well-crafted, especially for... I don't know... No, this isn't even a thing we have to say anymore. It's, like, especially for a comedian making this movie. I think it's been proven now that comedians are the best people to make horror movies. Yeah. And horror <laughs> movie directors are the best people to make superhero movies, yeah. apparently. <laughs> like, it's just weird how that stuff works out. But, I mean... Pfft. I don't know. I just I think it was like as close to perfect as a sequel to Halloween can get. The negatives are just not even that bad. People upset about the humor in this movie need to just stop. It's like you need levity in well, movies. I, like and in, that's that's something that I kind of took a, offense to when people were like, yeah. "Oh, I hate the Bon Me sandwich joke." It's like it's one second of the movie. Also, I think one of the aspects they were trying to do is like there are nods to like every other halloween right in this movie and those are the cops from halloween and those 5. are the cops from halloween 5 who are like bumbling idiots yeah. who don't do anything and so like if you don't get that and you're just like oh they're stupid yeah, yeah that's the fucking point there's a direct reference to cops from halloween 5 you've got the masks from halloween 3 i know a lot of people were upset they're like okay now that this timeline happened let's go back and do a new timeline with uh uh what's her name daniel harris and jamie again it's like no she jamie's <laughs> plot line was three fucking movies long yeah. she's done like <laughs> she's got hatchet it's like this is the this should be the timeline going forward you can move forward from here because we all know he got out of that basement yeah we all know we now know that he doesn't give a fuck about Lori. like they could get rid of all the strodes honestly as but but the, they're not the gonna. new strodes are really strong characters right like people Lori's just daughter- really hate i don't like judy greer that much in comedies i think she's like not i thought she was funny. really strong in this movie. in this movie i was fine with her people yeah. were like the first person you should kill in a sequel is karen it's like why <laughs> she was great yeah i mean i think some people might not like the scene where she like shoots michael or something since that's like the yeah. one they should look up the original ending because she does a lot more to him yeah. than that <laughs> she shoots him with a crossbow and comes like five shotgun shells into him it's insane Plus, I mean, all the nods to the original were, like, very tasteful and well done, where, like, Lori falls off the roof, and then Michael, mm-hmm. you know, she's, like, in the same position Michael was, then he looks back and she's gone, like, yeah. reversing that, <laughs> and like, that oh, was cool. Shit. That was cool. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I don't know, I thought that was, like, it was That was cool. a good place to do it, it fit in with the movie, right. it didn't feel they didn't, shoehorned. They didn't make Lori a victim, I mean, she was, like, tough as shit, I yeah. mean, she was, like, a really tough strong female character which is like i guess a theme in our movies yeah <laughs> we had like five strong oh, yeah, female leads but um there's no know. fucking mountains in the background of Haddonfield. like it felt like <laughs> yeah it didn't it felt like a midwest town close enough it's still it still doesn't feel like a midwest town but i think only because we live in a midwest town but right. it definitely got as close as like it's it, ever it felt kind of like a little too warm yeah like i know they put on big winter coats and stuff but like there's no frost on the leaves. The, and there like, was a fucking, like, palm tree fern in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. When they went and saw the Judith Myers gravestone, but... That might have also just been, like, a nod to the original in some way. Yeah. The, the one take, flawless. The one take is so awesome. So good. The gas station scene, I don't feel like it's enough credit. The teeth. Where Come the on, lady's man, the like, teeth. yeah, the, the teeth, and then the lady <laughs> looking over at the podcast guy, and she's like, no, 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 and he's like, whatever, and goes inside, yeah. and you like see Michael in the background beating <laughs> on that guy. <laughs> that was sick. There's just so many memorable moments, and like going back to the humor thing, Julian was a great addition. That that part was hilarious. Like it was so funny. Yeah, he was a fun. Like he wasn't in it for very long, but he was definitely like a fun character. Yeah, and they definitely left it open for the sequel. Allison Strode. Allison Strode is better than Karen Strode in the sense that she feels like a, tw- a modernized Lori. Right. Like she feels like the same kind of character, but definitely has a more modern sensibility to her. Like, she doesn't feel dated or old. 
Well, and I don't know. Like if, she's a fucking nerd who drinks. Right. You know, like. <laughs> and like in the sequel, if they do one following the Strode family, continuing to follow them. Now she kind of has her own reason to have a vendetta against Michael where in this movie it was like, yeah, he's locked up. Like, what's he going to do? Like my grandma might be senile. Like she's been waiting all this time for him to come out. But then now she has like, well, he killed all my friends. <laughs> like, right. Like now she has a reason to be like on the side and Karen too, yeah. because she saw, you know, the force that is Michael Myers in action, which they, they couldn't put it into context like Lori could until they were able to see it in the final act, which is cool. I like that aspect of it. Yeah. I think that's all I have to talk about with Halloween. The merch was really good. <laughs> a lot of good merch. Fright Rags had a pretty dope shirt line. The early screening was cool. Yeah, Singing in Salem was a really... I mean, just that whole experience. I mean, if you look at the movie in a vacuum, it's still an excellent movie. Yeah. But, like, that going to Salem, right. seeing it early, like, meeting Ryan Turek and Elsa. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just cool to, like... That whole experience was, like, a once Especially a with it being thing. a good movie. It was just like... Oh, yeah, like, thank <laughs> Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like, happy that it was not bad. Yeah, so that was my number one... I don't feel like we really fucked up any of this list, though. I feel like we all we both had a pretty solid list. And it sounds like our listeners, slash my viewers, had, had some solid picks as well. Um, but that's all I got for the end of the year episode. Yeah, that was everything on my list, so... Do you want to say anything to the listeners? Bye! <laughs> <laughs>